No worries. I am absolutely comfortable. Whenever you are, come come to your chair, lady. I'm a little bit nervous. Okay. Don't be nervous. It's just two friends having a conversation. And recording it. But that's okay. <laughs> that's the fun of it. Hey, everybody. It's Nat with the Nat is Fascinated podcast, the weekly podcast where Nat, that's me, connects, reconnects, gets to know a friend, an acquaintance a little better. Uh, everybody has a story, and I want to hear it. The person who makes your coffee, the person that fixes your car, that... Uh, co-worker that you never talked to. Everybody has a great story, so maybe one day go find it out. But today's guest is, a, she was a friend of a friend, but now I consider her a friend. Yeah. And she's the mom to two amazing cats that I got to foster for a little bit. Pause and Justice. Yes. But my guest today is Trisha. Welcome. Thank you. Ah. So how are the cats doing, by the way? They're great. They're, They're great. happy. Pause eats paper. Justice tries to fly. <laughs> now, Pause is the mom, and Justice was the third of a litter, and she was the runt. And uh, I was lucky enough to help a friend and had them for a little bit, and uh, we found a good home for them here. And they're so cute. Jeez, I love them. You're a lucky girl. I am. You're lucky. All right, so we're going to start things off. Uh, Trish, where were you born? Where are you from? I am originally from Southwest Virginia. The county I was born in was two-thirds strip-mined by the time I was born. My dad was an environmental activist working for the Diocese of Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, wow. And did community organizing work and anti-strip-mining work. And my mom was a public health nurse. At that point, she was uh, working... When I was born, she was working for St. Mary's Hospital in Norton, Virginia. And I, and I joke that I was born on her lunch break because she <laughs> went to work that day. And uh, I was born in the afternoon, around 1.30. Yep. That's awesome. How many, are you guys, do you come from a big family? I am the second of four kids. Second of four kids. Boys, So that's fairly, two girls, two boys. Two girls, two boys. And you're the second, so you're kind of like the middle child? Yes. I remember when the fourth kid came and I was upset because I thought that I was, I liked being sort of like the center of this pyramid and, and the balance <laughs> was disturbed. I was four when he was born and, and three when I found out he was coming. So that was my perspective on things. That symmetry was disturbed, but I would not, I can't imagine the world without him. So Aww. obviously my perception has changed right. <laughs> since I was three. Is everybody back East? No, we're all over the place. There yeah. seems to be this unwritten... My father was an immigrant from Ireland, and mm -hmm. I think that that really influenced us, that to be an adult meant to be away. So we all live in different states. My oldest sister is in Ohio, which is where my mother is originally from. Mm -hmm. When I was 13, we moved back to Ohio to be near her family. And also because at that point, my parents were concerned that we weren't getting an adequate education in Appalachia. And they knew with the type of service work that they were doing, there was no way they were going to be able to pay for college for us. So we all had to get scholarships. Mm -hmm. And we pretty much all did. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so under those circumstances, it was pr I guess it was a good move to move to Ohio. I never really felt at home there so mm -hmm. it was never an option for me to live there and as soon as I could get out I did good for you <laughs> what no your dad uh what part of Ireland is he from Dublin have you been oh yeah loads of times have you met some any family yeah he's the only one who left so everybody's there oh how fun does he have an accent uh well my dad what? passed in 2008 oh, I'm sorry um I you know when you're a kid of a parent who's an immigrant and I think Non-native English-speaking kids would probably say that this is true about their parents, too. They don't hear the accent the same way oh, that, um, that others do. So I never thought my dad had an accent, but some people said he did. And, and, I, and I truly don't know. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was this amazing actor-performer guy who could pick up accents. Oh, neat. Yeah, and I think that in order to... Be someone who couldn't be sort of boxed into an identity or stereotyped that he made efforts to get rid of his Irish accent so that people yeah. had to deal with him as he was 
in a way that didn't allow them to box him in. Um, he came in the late 50s, and he came originally to Chicago, and originally was in an Irish enclave, and really broke out of that, wow. and didn't stay in any Irish-American neighborhoods or anything like that, because he he didn't want to be sort of stuck in that identity identity and milieu and and he did it at all i mean my mom is german-american and so (laughs) when um what was your first job my first job well i babysat a lot yeah um my first job not babysitting Mm -hmm. was for a retail store it was um when big Department stores have stuff that doesn't sell. They resell it to other retail stores. Yep. Are we? Are, I, 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 we talked about not saying companies, so I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to avoid saying the company. No problem. But this store is still around, and Imagine. I did primarily um, fitting room attendance, and then I was a cashier. And one of my one of my fabulous horrible memories from this was I got a stomach flu, and I a cashier and there's a log line and I can't close my so I I finish with one customer and run away and promptly throw up in the aisle of the store it was fabulous in the aisle yeah it couldn't make it to the bathroom <laughs> clean up in aisle three yeah they sent me home it was great the the store general manager had to clean up my vomit yes how so you're like 16 yeah, yeah, I think I was 16. Oh, how yeah. did, Were you allowed back to the store? Oh, I mean, when I got well. They okay. they, they knew I did the best I, I could. could. They knew that I had a line. They knew, I think it was around Christmas time. I was not <laughs> intentionally being a jerk. Right. Absolutely not. So, um, so um, what do you do now? I am an attorney. What kind of law do you practice? I consider myself a general litigator. Okay. I practice plaintiff's law, which means that I bring cases on behalf of people, and I do civil cases, not criminal cases. Okay. And so people I bring cases on behalf of, I don't do business stuff, I usually do injury stuff. And the cases I usually do are civil rights, like employment discrimination, sometimes cases where people have been discriminated against by a government entity. I do a lot of employment stuff. Um, I help other lawyers write briefs Mm. and those are sometimes uh personal injury cases so if you know someone gets injured in a nursing home and then there are major briefs involved in those cases i will help write those briefs for an example um i sometimes do child abuse cases i so those are the kinds of cases that i do i'm doing a lot of employment stuff right now there's a lot of stuff going on with covid and, oh, and sure. And I really like it with, I like doing my own cases, but I also really like consulting with other lawyers and helping them bring the cases. The collaboration is fun. Uh, when did you realize you wanted to do law? Um, one of my aunties in Ireland says that when I was 10, which was when we first went as a family to Ireland, mm-hmm. that she has this vivid memory of me standing somewhere, I, I, I'm sure she remembers where, saying, I'm going to be an attorney. So, for sure, by then. Um, Ten years old, in um, Ireland. Yeah. Oh, I, I, probably well before then. So, in high school, in class, did you, were you, like, in debate and stuff like that? I didn't do debate. I did theater. I did do um, forensics, which is speech, essentially. Oh. So, I did um, extemporaneous speaking, and we did that on specific... But what you would do is you would show up and they would give you a question and then you would take a side and do a presentation on that side. And we had these huge folders of, you know, news articles and opinion articles so that we had sources that we could cite as we constructed our speeches. How long did you have to construct a speech? I think we had half an hour, 45 minutes. Were you good? Yeah. Nice. I would be terrible. I loved it. <laughs> awesome. I was fun. Yeah. Was there like competitions? Like- yeah, it was competitions. I won medals. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I got a lawyer in my circle of friends. <laughs> now, especially one who represents plaintiffs, because ain't nobody suing you. That's right. <laughs> mm. um, now, really recently, uh, a year last year, recently, you went to Liberia. Yes, January 2019. So no, 2018. It's, it's 2020 right now. God, God, when was it? 
2020. 2018. 2018. Okay. So you went to Liberia. For those who don't know, and I looked it up, I'm like, where's Good. Liberia? Yeah. It is on the west coast of Africa, on the Atlantic coast, right by uh, Cote d'Ivoire and Sierra Leone. Correct? Yes. All right. So what brings you to Liberia? I, the brother immediately after me, uh, got married, I think in 2006. Oh, a while ago. Yeah. Oh. And he and his wife are both physicians and were not able to have children, but always knew that they wanted to have kids. Both nice. of them are one of four kids. Yeah. And, um, so... Both of them also, in getting their medical training, worked abroad um, and have really seen the extent of global poverty and made a decision that because they couldn't have their own kids, they really wanted to change someone's life in another country. And, and international adoption is more expensive than a d domestic adoption. Yep. Um, and they have the resources to do it. So they decided that they would do international adoption from an ex extremely poor country. And Liberia is one of the top 20 poorest countries in the world. I believe it's... Last time I checked, it was rated 16. Who knows how accurate those numbers are. But it's really poor. Did not know that. Like... Like, the poorest country in this hemisphere is Haiti. I think it's poorer than Haiti. Oh, really? I think so. Wow. It's, it's a very, very poor country. Okay. Um, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, there was a horrible civil war. Mm -hmm. In the mid-2000s, well, early 2010s, it was hit by Ebola. It's had some real tragedies uh, in recent memory. Right. Um, and if you think about that, that means that the generation of people who are now adults and having children had their childhoods disrupted. They didn't receive schooling. They didn't have. And so now they're having children and they don't have necessarily the infrastructure and didn't have the infrastructure when they were growing up to provide for children that they're having. Mm -hmm. So there are orphans in Liberia. So my brother and sister-in-law... I'm just going to call her my sister. I don't really think of her as my sister. Done. But I have a real sister, so I, I just want to clear. <laughs> you got it. Your brother and sister. My brother and sister um, knew some people who had adopted from Liberia. So it had been done. There was cool. evidence. And because they knew these people, that also meant that the kids would have a community, others who had been through the experience and with whom that they could have a connection. Right. Because... There is a lot of, I guess, controversy and pain for children who have been adopted from abroad. This is particularly in the news about Korean children who were adopted from Korea, say, in the 60s, mm -hmm. who are now trying to search for identity when their parents adopted them and did not have a connection to Korea or raise them. And, and, and now there's a sense of how did this happen? So... There's there's a lot of improvement in international adoption systems. Paying attention to the lessons learned from those Before. Um, adoptees' experiences and a real effort to be compassionate, but also give these kids a chance at choices in life and opportunities that there's no way they would have had. Mm -hmm. The real so anyway, in November of 2017, my brother and sister got pictures of these adorable little boys. And they, they said they would adopt up to three kids. They wanted siblings. Um, and they had an age range. I don't remember. It might have been up to five or something. Sure. So they wanted little kids. And, and siblings were great. So that they got two brothers. And the younger was when we adopted him 20 months. And the older was almost three. Right. About two and a half. Mm -hmm. So they were little. Yeah. They were little. And um, and then they had to go to Liberia and finish the paperwork. And first there's a process of adopting in Liberia. Okay. And then there's a process of going through the U.S. US adoption process. God. And U.S. visa process and getting them U.S. passports. It all told, 
um, my brother was able to take three weeks off of work and my sister was able to take like five weeks, but kind of did it indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was probably going to take more than the three weeks that my brother had available. So at Christmas, they finally told the family that this is really what's going. This is when we're going to Liberia. They sent us the pictures in November, but we didn't know when they were going and it was going to go through. Right. We saw each other at Christmas 2017. And, um, God, was that? I, I might be off by a year. But That's I don't okay. Think I am. But anyway. <laughs> um, There's no fact this checking. Is, right now, this is the second year. This is the second Christmas the boys have had in the country. So 18. it would have been January 18. So it was Christmas 2017, they're telling us. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, so I offered, I'm like, look, I'm self employed. Yeah. I can go. If you need someone to go, I can go. I'm like, I do need you to pay for my plane ticket. Because it was like three grand, a plane ticket. Yeah, I was like, I don't have those funds. But I can just, I can actually not earn money. It's okay. If you need that, that I can do. But I don't have the cash. Right. So they're like, yeah, we'll pay for your plane ticket. So they bought me a plane ticket. To Liberia. To Liberia. And the plane that I landed in Liberia on, my brother got on and left the country. Did he like high five on the... No, we didn't even see each other. (laughs) (laughs) We we figured out later that it was the same plane. Oh, that's funny. But, um, so, which was, and it was stressful for my sister to be alone for that one day, but it was only like, I mean, because like the gap between him leaving for the airport and me getting back, but it was only one day. Did she have the kids? Yeah. By that had, point, she had the so boys. So what happened, they get to Liberia. They're there for a day. Yeah. They go to the orphanage, meet the kids. Yeah. And the kids go back to the hotel with them immediately. They like, haven't adopted. Yes. Here you go. You're a mom and dad. They haven't adopted the kids or anything. But yeah, they get the kids immediately. Oh. They didn't really know I, that that was going to happen. But yeah. Was it from the orphanage standpoint, like, help here? Like, no, resource? No, it was... It was Immediately start bonding. I okay. think, I, I mean, I, because right. there was another woman there who was trying to adopt children. Okay. American? Another American okay. woman. She was from Indiana. Okay. I have strong feelings about this person. <laughs> um, like her daughter said she wanted a brother, so they decided to adopt this kid from Liberia and he happened to have a sister. So they're like, okay, we'll take her too. She didn't really like the little girl. Oh, and um, she kept sending the kids back to the orphanage because she just couldn't handle them. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, we have toddlers and these toddlers had tremendous stress. They were each throwing multiple temper tantrums a day when we were in Liberia. They were her kids were serene and calm and didn't need to be constantly watched were potty trained, could dress themselves. So because they were older, a little Because they were older. Her kids were five and eight, I think. Oh, yeah. So they were fine. They were nice, lovely kids. They actually were great to have around because they helped keep our kids sort of more serene and calm. Um, but she's just like, I can't handle them. They should go back to school. A school where she knew that the kids were receiving corporal punishment. Oh. The lessons were ludicrous. Um, because she just was a very no emotionally limited person. And did she heard that, that adoption finalized? It did not go through. Yay! Good. Except that she adopted them under Liberian law. She was not able to adopt them in U.S. law. Having adopted them in Liberian law, no one else will ever take care of those children. And oh, to the extent no. that I know, she is making no provisions for their care. <gasps> That's terrible. I cannot control my feelings of anger towards this very selfish woman. That is terrible. I am so sorry to hear that, but I am so blessed and thankful that your two nephews have a beautiful family. Right. Now, when you got them in Liberia, were they healthy? Were they... They had worms. (laughs) They had had worms? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they have these little pot bellies of kids with worms. So they were handed, like, hey, they have worms. Uh, everyone has worms in Liberia. I really? Mean, yeah. Oh, God. The, oh. The, I mean, the, the, the orphanage didn't have indoor plumbing. Really? Yeah, they hand-washed the kids' 
Like, you know those old-fashioned washboards? Yeah. That's how yeah. did the laundry. How many kids, how many orphans were there? I think there were uh, 30? 30 kids in this one orphanage. Yeah. And there was, a, like, a waiting list to get into this orphanage? I don't know. I don't know the details about yeah. the orphanage. Um, I know that our kids were dropped off. The little one was dropped off when he was three days old, and his older brother, who had been with his mother the whole time, was dropped off two weeks later. Okay. The older one remembered his mother. Yeah. She came and said goodbye to us the day that we left the country. Okay. The thing that was most stressful about the adoption was we didn't really know until we were out of the country mm-hmm. that there was not going to be a problem and the kids were going to stay with us. For example, we had to have an affidavit, affidavit signed by my brother that his wife was able to take his children out of the country without him. Oh, his. Yes, exactly. Children. His. Uh Oh. (laughs) And and it was helpful that because she married my brother and for a variety of reasons she took his last name, that she and I had the same last name for family purposes of getting the kids out. Like I could carry one and she could carry one and... And they, they were match. just like, what? A, yes, everything matched. We all had the same last name. That was great. Um, it, it was funny in Belgium. So we flew from Liberia to Belgium, from Belgium to Dulles, from Dulles to Chicago, from Chicago to the city they live in. Good Lord. It was 26 hours. That was part of why I went. Even if, even if everything had been smooth sailing, just flying back to the country with the kids was enough of an effort. A three-year-old and a 20... 20- Month, month old, old yeah. and five different destinations. Yeah. Ugh. And these are kids who never, I mean, when we were waiting for our plane in Liberia in the yeah. airport, the power went off. In the airport? In the airport. We're waiting <laughs> at the gate and the power goes off in the airport. What? This is a third world country. Uh, so, um. Rolling the, blackouts. The cool thing was, yeah, the yeah. cool thing was. The kids just clung to us. They didn't run away. Because you can imagine toddlers just acting out. Right. They were like, cling to us, be safe. And I know, it was amazing. These kids had great instincts. And we were like, that's exactly what we wanted them to do. The last thing we wanted was to lose them or have an issue. Right. And, And at the right times, they always knew when to cling to us. They didn't run away. You know, sometimes kids, you see them do it in grocery stores when they have it and they run away from their parents. In a way, that tells me those kids have tremendous trust of their parents. Also, I think kids, uh, we underestimate them. They have great sense of energy. You know, they can sense it. When I showed up, so when I got there in January, we didn't leave Liberia until February, but when I got there in January... The kids were super happy to see me. They must have been talking about me before I got there. I don't know. But so they were great. The first day I had these hilarious pictures of them sitting in my lap and cuddling and laughing. And now, but I mean, it was stressful. They knew when we were stressed out about things. Like there was one day the kids had to have their birth certificates redone and the paperwork was done wrong for one of the kids. Uh. And I about lost it. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I mean, the thing that was cool was in a way, my sister and I could play good cop, bad cop. Okay. She would be really nice with the person who ran the orphanage who was in charge of getting all the paperwork. And then I would be like, hold her accountable and be like, this has to be done. So what happened was the birth certificate had to be done. She brings it to us the day before we go to the, or the day that we go to the U S embassy and we can't give it to the U.S. Embassy to have the visa done because it's the wrong piece of paper. Ugh. And getting an appointment with the U.S. Embassy is hard. So Ugh. everything is like wading through high water wearing, you know, lead hey, boots or something. God. So that that was part of what was so stressful. Yeah. You know, we had appointments to get kids TB tests and medical things. And I think they had to have their blood taken. And so they were different. They had medical exams, of course, Good. to come to the country. But they were fine. When they came to the country, the older one had high lead count, which was a little bit disturbing. High lead. Yeah. We think when he was with his mother, whatever environmental stuff, she was vulnerable at that time. And so wow, he had been exposed to lead. But he is healthy and normal and smart. They have had to go through a lot of speech therapy. Oh. Because, so I would compare Liberian speech... As something that most Americans can relate to, or U.S. Americans, I 
I re- recognize this entire hemisphere as America, but... Right. Estados <laughs> Unidencias people can relate to as um, a Jamaican accent, Ooh, sort of. Like, okay. the, the structure of... It's it's not exactly the same. But the way that... It's, it's almost a patois, and the rhythm of the language is a little bit like that. Okay. So that was what those boys kind of spoke and were used to hearing in terms of their early language development. Mm-hmm. And and so certain consonants are dropped, certain verbs are used in different ways, um, pronouns are used in different ways. So they've both had a lot of speech therapy since they've come to the States. And their comprehension is on par now for their age groups. Um, and, and they're great. Physically, both of them, well, they were they were small, which suggests that the nourishment... Was, was lacking. Yes. And and I don't blame the orphanage. The orphanage did the best they could with what they had. And right. frankly, everyone in Liberia is really poor. Right. I, I mean... Is that why their mother gave them up? Yes. Their mother... I think this is one of the things that we as a global community have to contend with. Mm-hmm. A majority of people who are given up for adoption are given up for adoption because their birth parents do not have the financial resources to raise them. Right. Now, in her case, financial resources also meant she was basically illiterate. Wow. So so financial resources, social support, right. all of these things. Are those things within our global community to provide or build or create? Absolutely. Yep. Is it an indictment on us as a global community that families are torn asunder because these things aren't available to everyone? Absolutely. Yep. Are we doing something right by making sure children don't fall through the cracks? I think yes, but by having to usurp them from their um, culture, environment, people, history, mm-hmm. that's a tragedy too. And, and, and my family contends with that. Are, are is the mom, biological mother, still in touch with her voice? She calls, I think she calls like twice a year. Because she doesn't have economic resources, there's no way to maintain consistent contact with her. She gotcha. doesn't have a permanent address and she doesn't have a permanent phone number. So she makes a point of calling. At this point, the boys no longer remember. There's enough stability in their lives that... It it was funny. By... I want to say by May 2018, they didn't remember the airplane ride, which was a couple of months earlier. But, like, I was there visiting them for that Mother's Day and for the little one's birthday. And... Um, I remember we went into the pantry and that we had bought lollipops for them to suck on on the airplane so to keep their ears. ears open. And the big one was like, oh, those are from the airplane. Oh. So he remembered what they were for, but he would talk about coming over. He said, but you brought me over when I was a little baby, even though it had been months before. So his, their memory of it is becoming a little bit legendary. And I wonder if he says, you brought me when I was a little baby because they have adoption books Right. about being adopted as a little baby. But that that is my conjecture. I right. don't know. For sure, sure. Yeah. Um, is So is your brother and your and your sister, are they making a point of, you know, letting the kids know, hey, this is where you're from. You're from a place called Iberia. They have, well, our, our mutual friend, yep. Kate, yep. when I was there, she put together a book about this is where I came from. Oh, wow. So it had pictures of where they came from and... You know, this is me with mom and dad the first time we met, and this is the orphanage I came from, and here I am coming over, and here I am in my new house kind of thing. So they wow. have us, and, and I know the older one took it to school <gasps> and showed it at one point. Aww. So they have, they do have things that show them, and there are other I think COVID has disrupted the dynamic, but there yeah. were uh, reunions. There's another town a mile away, no, not a mile, an hour away, that periodically they will go and have reunions with other kids who have been adopted from Liberia. From Liberia. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. That's part of why they did this. I don't know that in their city there, but a, a city an hour away is reasonably close. 
So they have that connection. Is there a plan eventually when the boys are of a certain age to bring them back to Liberia? Like, hey, this I is where know. you're from. We haven't talked about it. No. I, I mean, I, I just, I haven't talked to their parents right. about it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, think it, I think it might depend on what kind of interest the boys show. Sure. Yeah, that makes I sense. Mean, I'm, I, but I'm guessing, you know, that's something. When we were there, oh, it might have been while we were leaving, we met some men who had been adopted to Scandinavia. And, and so we're carrying these babies, and the guys are like, are you adopting those kids? And, and, and they're like, we were adopted. And my oh. sister-in-law was like, are you glad you were adopted? And they're like, yes, absolutely. And the hotel that we stayed at, it was more like a guest, like we stayed in a, in a sort of house mm-hmm. in one of the rooms, because it had a kitchen and we could cook. One of the rooms of the house, um, this guy, where is he from? Australia. He had been adopted to Australia, had a Liberian brother. They were staying there. So we met people who had been adopted from Liberia. Oh, how cool. Well, Liberia has had 20 years, 30 years of crises. So the international community has responded and there has been a process of adoption. When I was on the airplane coming, I... My, my plane, there was a screw up about the time. And oh, so I ended no. up waiting for a long time for okay. my ride to pick me up from the airport. And there was a Mennonite guy. The Mennonites do a lot of international charity work, really mm-hmm. cool stuff. They have a school and I think, I don't know if they run an orphanage or did do adoptions. I think the guy that I met was there to help with curriculum for their school. Right. Um, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Liberia needs help with their education infrastructure. So not, I don't think they're trying to convert anyone. It's, sure. not this, it's not this stereotypical thing of missionaries who are trying to convert people and right. not really providing services unless people kowtow to their belief system. That's not what the Mennonites are doing. They're, they're like trying to provide a reading curriculum that really works kind of right. thing. But um, so he was there and, and, he, and I told him why I was there and he said, you used to see a lot of people during the war adopting kids. And you can see why you would want to adopt a kid out of a wartime situation. You're saving a life. Right. I mean, even You're... if you are taking them away from their culture, they live another day. It's like the Lost Boys of Sudan. Right. They live another day. They remember it. Their culture, even if they're a young person, their culture lives on that much more through them, even if it's a fragment because they don't remember everything. Oh, wow. And, I mean, Liberia is an amazing country. They are the first African country to have a woman elected president. Oh, neat. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot to be said of it. It's a beautiful place. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, uh, Tropical you, and great coastline. Can and, you describe me a moment while you were there that has nothing to do with the adoption of the boys, but just a memory that you remember about Liberia? Um... That we, I really like fabrics. Yes. I, you, I, yes, you, you do. In, my, in this room where we are conducting this interview, <laughs> I have African wax cloth fabrics. Yes. These ones that are here are not the ones I bought in Liberia, but I bought some in oh. Liberia. Okay. And I loved looking at the way people dress, the, cult, the colorful stuff. Someone would wear a t-shirt and then they would have one of these wax cloths wrapped around their um, waist. Oh, neat. You would see women... And some men, but more women, with things piled high on their head to sell in the street. Oh, fine. Liberia, we were in Monrovia, which is the capital. Mm-hmm. They don't have store. I mean, there are stores. There are shops. Sure. But most of the commerce goes on on the streets. There was literally a display of wheelchairs on the side of the road. It was a wheelchair store. <laughs> I mean, uh, so all of this, so the commerce is really outdoors and there are these outdoor markets and it's really interesting. Oh, nice. I like that openness and the outdoors stuff about it. Um, What's the currency in Liberia? I, th- um, I think they are dollars. God, hmm. now that you say it. Yeah. Fact check for later. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. Honestly, I didn't handle a lot of money. Money. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, you know, my sister-in-law handled the money, and I usually had a kid on my hip. <laughs> if, so how are the kids doing today? They are great. I saw a picture of them yesterday. Perfect. I haven't seen them in a while because right. of COVID. Um, they're huge. It is amazing how tall. They're, they're skiing. They ice skate. They play soccer. Yeah. I mean. That's amazing. It's, it's amazing. They swim. 
Um, they have very active, full yes. lives. The older one, from the beginning, we knew he had this engineering type personality. Mm. And now he's really good at puzzles. And the little one is this entertainer and performer. And his mom always said, he can always make me laugh. He's like a little comic. <laughs> and, and he is. And he. it's funny because their personality showed through in the very beginning. And they're blossoming more on that track. But they also are diversifying their skills. And they're well-rounded yeah. people. But... I mean, they're, they're, I love them. I love them so much. It shows. I, I wish I could see them every day. Um, I am their nearest geographical relative, but with COVID, that doesn't really matter. I know. And with two parents who are healthcare providers, they're even more careful. Right, right. So, they can't mess around. Yeah. Um, if you have any advice to parents who want to adopt internationally, what would you give them? Before you go to the country that you're preparing to adopt, I, from, I would, so I compare it like my brother and sister Mm -hmm. had traveled abroad and had been to third world countries. Mm -hmm. The other woman from Indiana really hadn't. Mm. And she had this sense like when there were issues with the adoption process on her end, she thought if she showed up at the U.S. Embassy with the kids, they would see that there was a tie between them and they would just give it... It's bureaucracy. It's not about appealing to the bureaucrat behind the glass. And they were behind far glass in a country that had suffered Ebola, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. The U.S. staff was very protected. Um... They didn't, there was no face-to-face meeting in someone's office where they got to see you with your kid in your lap. Right. This was stand in line, hand papers through a glass thing. There, there's no heart-to-heart. It's whether you've checked the boxes. So understand what the process is. Understand that there is no emotion on the part of the bureaucrats involved. They might have emotion, but they can't change the outcome because of that. Right. Um understand that until you leave the country with the kids and the U.S. has given you the visas for the kids. I mean, because when we got to Dulles, we had to, yet again, sit in Department of Homeland Security. And it went fine, but we didn't know if it was going to... That was the last right. scary moment. Where are the kids going to pass the U.S. visa process? Were they going to get their passports right. okay? Um There's no certainty. You have to be completely vulnerable and open. And the interesting thing is, I don't know that that's really different from a pregnancy. Do you know a pregnancy is going to go to term? Do you know your child is going to be healthy when they're born? Do you know that you're going to have a successful birth? Right. That the birth will follow your birth plan? When you commit to becoming a parent you are vulnerable from that moment on. So wow. recognize and surrender. That's beautiful. I, I think that that's it. That was really well put. Thank really you. well put. I've thought about it a lot. Well, you're a smart cookie, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not a parent. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. Not, not, my, not my jam. Not my thing. So do you know, have any clue, maybe in 2021, you're going to see your nephews again? Oh, I'm going to see them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Would Even you... if I just have to show up at their door. I mean, it might, I might not let it happen until I get the vaccine or something. Right, but right. I'm going to see them. You better. Because <laughs> I did not see them all of 2020. That ain't right. I mean, I'm not going to judge it. But... <laughs> Damn pandemic. Um, so you have a stone in your hand. I do. What is that stone? So to, I'm going to describe it for the listeners first. Please do. It is a dark green. Now, it, this is what many people call a palm stone. So it kind of fits in the palm of my hand and it's been smoothed down. Mm-hmm. So I like to, I'm a fidgeter. So I like to have one of these rocks around just to rub. Yep. This particular stone is also dark green and it's sort of a mossy green. There's, especially if you hold it up to the light, you can see some lighter green in it. Mm-hmm. And it is called... Um, fuchsite, which is ironic because I think fuchsite sounds like it should be hot pink. pink. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. It's green. green. (laughs) Now, you collect crystals and stones, correct? I do. And when did that start? 
Oh, probably as soon as I saw a pretty rock in the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) And you just started collecting them? Yeah. Yeah, I have some from when I was little still. Oh, neat. Actually, I have, when I was in Ireland, (gasps) I brought back probably 10 pounds of rocks. (laughs) (laughs) So when you travel to all the different destinations you've been, do you always bring a rock back? Yes, I have now limited it to one. <laughs> There's a rock up there that I got in Cuba. Oh, the purple? No, not the purple. The yeah. brown one next to it. Mm. No, you have a lot of beautiful stones. The, the one from Cuba is more interesting for its its shape and texture because it's like there are holes that are like there. I think there's a lot of limestone in Cuba. I wasn't ah. there long enough to explore all of the geology of it. Right. But, so this particular rock up there, it's orange and white, and it has holes in it as though the water has eaten away at the limestone. Ah, gotcha. But that's why it was a Cuban rock. So do you believe in that the energy in crystals and stones and everything? Or do you like them just for their their geological factors? I think I like them for their variety. And they're pretty. Do I believe in their energy? I can't say that I... I would say that I'm... Pretty, I, I'm, I'm agnostic about it, verging on indifferent about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you collect some beautiful, beautiful stones. And you always have beautiful jewelry, by the way. You always oh, thank do. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit ridiculous about that, too. What's your birthstone? It's a diamond, which is so boring. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so. I think that is the most boring of all stones. I mean... It's interesting how it's made, the high pressure, blah, 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 blah. blah. That's kind of how I feel about it. Blah, 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 blah. What's your favorite stone? Oh, man. What popped into my head is Larimar. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going to tell you what Larimar is. Please do. Larimar, I think, is fossilized coral off the coast of the Dominican Republic, and it looks like the ocean. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, our friend Kate really loves it, which might be, maybe she's in my subconscious, and maybe that's why. I associate that stone with her. I can um, see why. But it shows up, and it's like a pale turquoise with white ripples through it, usually. Ooh. So different levels of, of turquoise, like turquoise and aqua and white. So it, Serene. Yes, it's Very beautiful. Serene. And, and, you know, years ago I would have said hematite, which is... It looks like um, gunmetal. Ooh. And also amethyst. I really like amethyst. Amethyst is But great. I, you know, I don't, I, I know so many more rocks now. Oh, there's a new rock I really like called, I'm not going to say it right, Shatakutite or something. So there's a town in Arizona. Okay. I think it's called Shatakut or something like that. Awesome. And it's this amalgamation stone and it's only from there and it's... And it's kind of like, um, oh, I also like this other stone. I, I can't see. I know a lot of It's okay. There's another stone I really like that's called the Tempest Stone. The Tempest Stone. Oh. Where's it from? Most of it seems to be coming from Namibia these days. Oh, wow. And it's, it looks like a storm. But it can be sort of orange or it can be sort of blue. But not like Tiger Eye. Tiger Eye has these layers. You're right. In meta- it, it, it'll look... It'll look like a swirl, but then if you move it, the swirl will change shape, so it's like clouds moving through the sky. That's pretty great. It's called Petersite, I think. It's so, spelled in like a Norwegian way or something, so I could be mispronouncing it. Do you but. go to a lot of like crystal and rock con- conventions? or, or sh- I don't really go to conventions. If there's a shop, I go. Honestly, like if there's, if I'm bored, I'll look at, rocks online and i'll look at jewelry online nice it's just something that i do it's do you like are you an earring girl necklace girl bracelet girl yes oh okay <laughs> I have all of them. rings, and I, rings. Like, and I like rings because they're the most like see yep i have she one, has jewelry two. so this one is this is moonstone oh this is hematite oh it's lovely it is it that is like gun metal, metal. This is called Quattro Quanto, which is like, I think it's actually just impure amethyst. Mm-hmm. But they say it's got like four different, Quantum Quantra, that's what they got. Gotcha. Four different things in it. This is supposed to be like moss agate and bloodstone. 
Bloodstone is supposed to be a stone for Aries. That's my sign. That's right. It's a warrior stone. I don't warrior know. Warrior lady. And this one, um, how are we doing for time? We're doing great. Oh, good. Because I'm yeah. rambling and rambling. That's okay. You're um, This one is Lepidolite, which Lepidolite. is kind of cool. These names are fun. And... Shungite. Shungite. Which is a black stone. So all the black stones are supposed to absorb negativity, which is cool. I mean, hey. Do I believe in it? You know, why not? But do I do it? Like, that's why I say I'm agnostic to indifferent. I don't know that I'm indifferent because I'm kind of like, sure, whatever. Hey, maybe there is some truth in it. Mm? It's, a, it's a little bit superstitious. I get I, it. You know, kind of like find a penny, pick it up. Am I going to bank on that penny? No. No. But, but do, gonna... do I like the idea of it? Do I think that optimism is worth it? Sure. Do You know, if, if this stone is supposed to be for good communication, I think by setting the intention and focusing on the stone, I'm more likely to have good intention. Does the stone... Yes. Or good communication. Does the stone give me the good communication? No. No. It's by committing to it. and So that's what I think the stones are good for. They're reminders. I get it. Yeah, that's how they work energetically, to me. Right. I don't know that they're giving off <laughs> voodoo vibes yeah, and everything. I, 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 don't, mm. I don't know. Anatomically or atomically that they can do it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Time for the uh, six questions with Nat. All right. Question number one. Yes. Meal of a lifetime or your final meal? Your perfect meal. I uh, really like Nobu at Teeter House. So a tasting menu there. Oh. It's a Japanese sort of sushi place. Mm. Yeah, they, they do. I The reason I like that kind of place is because of hot, cold, like temperature, but also textures and flavors, like... The senses. Yeah. Your senses are engaged. Yeah. And I like the atmosphere there. That it feels elegant, but not fussy. Um, And the food doesn't feel heavy. Like, I've had some really amazing French food, and I love French food. Mm -hmm. But part of it is I have lactose issues. Uh, God uh, bless me. Um. I mean, of course, if it's my last meal, I don't have to digest it, right? Nope. <laughs> no, you don't. So I could have, I mean, maybe then I would have some sushi and then some great French cheese and wine. I don't know. How perfect. <laughs> right? Perfect. Do you have a favorite board game? No. The, you know why? I'll, can I tell sure, you Sure, please. Why? So I dated a musician once upon a time. And he took me to meet his parents in Nebraska, and they were farmers. Oh, boy. Yeah, I kicked their asses at Trivial Pursuit. No doubt. <laughs> and, that, and that was awful, actually, because, you know, there are times you're not supposed to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then on the other hand, there's my family, which is super competitive because we all have to be the smartest person in the room at all times. Yeah. And losing to them sucks, too. So I think I don't like board games. Do you like maybe card games? I, so I do like some card games. Um, I think I like silly games. Like sure. I like sort of Pictionary or I <gasps> like um, Taboo or that kind of thing. But if people are taking it too seriously and whether you win or lose really matters, I am not into it. I remember the New Year's Eve we spent together with your friends and we oh, played yeah. that fun game. Oh my god. It was, it was, so it was a version of Cards Against Humanity. Yes. Oh yeah. god that was funny. Yeah so I like those kind of games. Like where it's where fun. People, people get to express their personalities and show who they are and get comfortable and be funny but who wins or loses doesn't really matter. matter. Perfect. Yeah. Alright. First song you remember liking. You heard this on the radio or a record. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so this is a little kid's song. I love it. Um, oh, God, I can remember. Tons of little kid's songs. We had records when I was really little. So um, it's about fish and the swim and the swim all over the dam. I don't know this. I don't know where it came from. 
from. It's not a song that I've learned in school or anything else. It was you had the record for the little forty five. No, actually, it was a big one because there are lots of songs on. And the swim and the swim all over the dam. And the swim and the swim all over the dam. Yeah, it was about fishes. I love it. I know that was that was that was yeah. Love that song. Okay, I know you don't have a television, so this may be a little difficult, but um, a movie that I need to see, it doesn't have to be your favorite film, it could be something that was impactful to you. That you need to see? Yes, you're recommending to me to see. To you. To that. You. Me. Okay. I have to think about this for a minute. Sure. The only movie I can think of it's okay. is Atonement. I saw it. I don't it's know okay. why that's on my head. That's okay. In my head. Atonement. Yeah, Atonement. Yeah. I do like James McAvoy. I think he's a fabulous oh, actor. Yeah, I forgot about him. I, I was thinking more of the complexity of the Saoirse Ronan character. Oh, that... Not a relation, although I claim her. <laughs> but she she's such a great actor. Yeah, she's amazing. She's and that really was like good. her first. She was 12 or something. She was, No, she's that lady. She can act. Okay, a destination you haven't been yet, but you love to travel to, and you have traveled a lot. Istanbul. <gasps> Istanbul, really? How come? Because it's the intersection of cultures, and it's yep. where places have started and begun. I mean, Istanbul is the cusp of Europe and Asia. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because of the cats. There's a movie about uh, the cats of Istanbul. Oh. Yes, which I haven't seen yet. But... Okay. Do we know the title? No, but I'm sure I could Google it and figure it out. It's, Fact I think check. it means meow in Turkish or something, but I don't, I don't remember. check. All right, last question. It's a fill in the blank. There is a special place in heaven for people who... There's a special place in heaven for people who plant trees. Oh. Uh. Do you have a favorite tree? Yeah, I like weeping willows. Oh, they're beautiful. And I like banyans. I don't. Do I know what a banyan so is? So a banyan is are those huge trees, and they usually grow in the south. And their branches grow down, and then they <gasps> grow the, roots too. Yes, yes, those are really interesting. Yeah, I I would have to say a good old maple leaf, maple tree from Canada. That's good. Well, thank you so much, Trisha. This was fantastic. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Nat is Fascinated podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at the Nat is Fascinated Instagram page. Uh, Come back again. I'll have another great story. Thanks.